You are listening to the Forfeit Fatherhood Podcast. And we're having conversations with dope dads covering the four pillars of fatherhood. We call it the Fit Fatherhood Formula. Faith, family, finance, and fitness. That's right. These dads are setting the pace in business and fatherhood. This show isn't only about the outside success. We're getting down to who you are. Gentlemen, it's time to get fit. And and, 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 and now, let's get into the show. Let's get into the show. Let's get into the show. This episode of the Forfeit Fatherhood uh, podcast is a little bit different than the typical ones. Um, so we did a joint episode. So part of this episode is what you're going to hear right now. The other part you're going to have to hear on Andy's uh, podcast, on the Fathering the Future podcast. So make sure you listen to this episode and then click on over and make sure you listen to Andy's episode. That way you have a full idea, full spectrum, full context of what the conversation is. All right, here it is. Check it out. All right, welcome back to the Forfeit Fatherhood Podcast, a podcast for fathers by fathers, where we talk about the four pillars of fatherhood, which are faith, family, finance, and fitness. And uh, you guys got me last week by myself, or maybe two weeks ago, depending on when you hear this. Um, but I'm back to guest episodes. I know you guys love those. Uh, you get tired of hearing me talk. So I have Anthony Vandegraaff here with me today. He is the, the host of the Fathering Our Future podcast, um, also on Instagram as well. Um, and I'm excited to talk to him, just to talk a little bit about what he's got going on in fatherhood. And uh, we, it feels like we have some things aligned, man. When we talk off podcasts, it seems like things are just lining up. So I'm excited to talk to him today, and I'm excited for you guys to hear him. Anthony, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good, man. How are you? I'm great, man. I'm great. I can't complain, other than it being 100 degrees and my AC. <laughs> there's no... There's no AC in the studio, so it's it's uh it, I just got the door open, hoping some of that air to like come in. Yeah, it probably feels a lot like Texas every day of the year. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's <laughs> uh it's supposed to be one on one here today, so wow, uh, must I, be nice. When I got up this morning to go to the gym, it was seventy six. I'm like, yo, five in the morning? That's not that's not wow. normal. Yeah, yeah, I'm jealous. It stays yeah, like ninety, ninety at night. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What is uh what what part of Texas are you in? I'm in the DFW area, North okay, Dallas. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I uh I was my mother's out there. I think we talked about this, but she was saying that uh she has to stay inside, it's too hot. She's a California girl, so she, she knows what heat is, but she's like, It's different. Yep. This is different. <laughs> it is it is a different heat for sure. It's yeah. dry heat. That's that's the hard part. I grew up on the Gulf of Mexico in a little town. And we had 100% humidity all the time. You walk outside and you just sweat. Now, I was used to that. And I moved up here, and it's just like I had to learn how to breathe again. It's it's a different heat, but you get used to it. Yeah, yeah, man. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't envy that at all. Like I told her, I was like, you could have stayed in California, but you wanted to move to, to <laughs> Texas. So that's God's what you country. get. God's <laughs> country. That's what you get. You get, you get a little <laughs> bit cheaper, but uh, you get the heat to come with it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. So, so Anthony, why don't you, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you, uh, what you got going on, and then we'll just get into the conversation, man. I'm excited for that part of it. Yeah, I'm excited about the conversation too, and also thank you for having me on. I appreciate this opportunity. So I host, like you said, Fathering Our Future, and the goal of my podcast is to help men fulfill what I believe is the goal of fatherhood, and that is to equip and to disciple our children to be a part of God's mission in a greater capacity than ourselves. So everything that I do is aimed to helping men with that ultimate goal and with that effort. And when I'm not doing the podcast, I am just a husband and just a father. And that basically sums me up. There were a lot of things that I used to do early on before I got married. I went to the movies all the time. I went out to eat with friends all the time, very much the social butterfly type. I played basketball five nights a week for you know, five, six hours at a go. And when I first started dating my wife now, she lived in Ohio. She was in a different time zone. So she went to bed earlier than I would just because of the time difference. And mm. it was starting to become a, a bit of a conflict. And I found myself in a place where I had to decide, do I want to keep playing basketball all night, every night, like I've been doing, or do I want to give this up? And do I want to potentially marry the dream girl 
And so I chose option B because I think that was the better option. And that is, I, I haven't played a pickup competitive game of basketball since 2015. It's, it's, it's been nonstop, but it's been worth it all. So everything I do honestly is wrapped up in being a husband and in being a dad. And a lot of things that I did on my own, I get to do with them now. And honestly, it's, it's a lot more fun. So that's me in a nutshell, man. Uh, that's who I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I don't want you to undersell uh, being a husband and being a father. Just being a husband, just being a father. Those are those are two very big and important roles. Um, so yeah. it, there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot that was, is required of you. It would I would say that those are two of the most important roles that any man can have, and uh, and yes. we're blessed to have them. Um, I'm a husband and a father too, and I I, I don't take those roles lightly. You know. Um, if I right. was just a construction worker or just a, a, a mailman or something like that, then that would be different. But husband and father, I think, are two roles that that have a, an ability to change the world um, or at least the world that's in our circle. And so those are those are huge things, man. I don't want you to, to downplay those yeah. at all, man. Yeah, no, I'm not intending to downplay those. The way the way that I look at it is. You know, who I am is contingent upon who I identify to be. So I identify to be a Christian, I identify to be a husband, and I identify to be a father. So I think everything that falls underneath that just falls under those umbrellas. So first, you know, I'm a Christian, God's everything. And so underneath that, then it's a husband, and then it's a father. But all the other little things that I do, like the podcast or any business efforts or any side hobbies or whatever they might be, they're going to fit back into this identity of, you know, am I pleasing God with the things that I do? Am I pleasing my wife with the things that I do? Am I pleasing and serving my kids with the things that I do? So when I say like, that's me in a nutshell, it's just everything that I try to do. I try to do it for those three identities that I, that I claim to bear. Yeah. I like that. I was looking at your website and I saw that, uh, you know, being a dad is not what we are but it is who we are and yes. uh, i think i think that that's spot on right like it, when we say it like i'm a dad like it's a it, like it's a job right but it, it right. is really it is really everything that you do um it is it is not just when your kids are around it is not just when you have to teach them or discipline them or provide for them it's literally everything you do at all times it is right. in essence you um, and, and so what you're saying there about you in a nutshell is it is, it is, it embodies everything that you are. Right. I think or that's a good versa. lesson for, yeah, yeah. I think it's a good lesson to catch. And, you know, I, I think it's worth noting and I know you'll agree with this, but just because we happen to do podcasts on fatherhood doesn't mean that we're anywhere close to being perfect dads. And I didn't have as much as I have understood today, understood when I started this thing. I didn't really know what my mission was when I started this. It's just, I'm going to start this podcast. And so you learn a lot along the way. And that was one of the big things that, that I picked up early is there were so many men when they talk about being a dad, they're just like, oh yeah, my kids are out of the house now. I get to close that chapter of my life. And I thought that seems a little odd. And so like the more I looked into it, the more I talked to other people, the more I realized that, you know, once you're a dad, you're always a dad. It's, it's literally an evolution that, that we go through um, because it's a part of our identity. It's tied to who we are. You always and forever will function as a dad to your kids. I think even in extreme cases where fathers unfortunately lose their children to death and horrible circumstances like that, I mean, there's still this rallying champion of the son or the daughter that they had, and they, they carry that legacy on even though they never get to see it played out. But we, uh, you know, I, I talked, I talked to uh, a guy I'm privileged to know. He's a PhD in family studies. He should have the podcast on fatherhood, but he doesn't. But I was talking to him and I asked him the question, you know, do you think that you ever get to close the chapter on being a dad? And he said, I don't think so. He said, you know, I'm in my sixties and there are lessons that my parents taught me that still echo on my mind on a regular basis when I'm confronting other situations. He said, so, you know, even from the grave, like dad is still being dad to me and mom is still being mom to me. Those identities, you know, they hold on eternally. So I think it's really important to understand that and not view it as the job that you can step away from 
without any ramification. You can't just be like, here's my two week notice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do something else. Uh, and when they turn 18, you don't get to kick them out and say, I'm done. I'm retiring. That's not how it works. And I think it really helps us when we understand, you know, this, this is who I've become. And when you approach right. it from that perspective, it changes the game. And I think it's good to have that understanding. Yeah, I 100% agree. You're right. I, I agree with all of that because even if you look at like, I, if, if I'm talking about my grandfather, who's no longer with us, I still, he's still a father. Right. And I still think about yeah. the things that I got to do with him and the things that he taught me how to do and the time that I got to spend with him. And I share that with my daughters. They've never met him, never got an opportunity to, but they understand the relationship of of me and him and what he was and who he was. And so when I show them pictures, there's this, this understanding of the man that he was. Um, and that is going to be forever, right? Because at some point they might tell their kids that their great grandfather, their great great grandfather taught their dad how to make French fries. You know what I mean? Like these stories yeah. last forever. Um, right. And, and it's, it's not a small thing that, like you said, we could put in a two week notice and walk away from. Um, because even if you do walk away, you're still, that title's still there. Right. That, that right. walking away is still there. That all, all the things that you do, as we said, are already um, it, you embody all of it and it embodies you. So as a father, yeah. you are a father forever. Once once you right. cross that threshold, there's no going backwards. There's no uh, like you said, you're turning 18 and now I don't have to worry about it. Things are different for sure. Um, but you're still parenting, just parenting differently. Yeah. Yeah. The big revelation for that 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 really hit me um was back in 2021 so i got COVID, i got the delta variant and it kicked my butt man um i was probably the healthiest the most fit i'd ever been i think i'd like logged like 55 or 60 miles in the 10 days leading up to when i got COVID. i lost 17 pounds in 12 days and there were honestly a few nights i thought god if you don't keep me like i don't think i'm gonna wake up i don't think i have the strength to wake up now Fortunately, God kept me and I'm here today to talk to you. But um, there were some nights, you know, my dad would come over. My dad had COVID. He didn't have it as bad as I did. And, you know, I think he's the one who gave it to me, to be honest with you. But uh, he, he would come over and he would make sure that, you know, I had food. And there was one night it was it was rough. And I was like, hey, whenever you wake up, if you could just come to the house and just come bring me to your house. I, I, I need people around me because my my wife and my three kids, they were with they were in Ohio with my wife's family and I'm glad they weren't here to get exposed to all that mess but um I realized then in that moment you know while I don't necessarily need my father every single day like I did when I was a toddler you know when the time came for me to need a father he was still a dad and he still stepped in and he still served me and he still did what a father should do and I realized in that moment that you know he's still a dad like I call him dad because that's what I've known him as, but he's still actively a dad. It might not require as much like you said, but when the times do arise, like there's still a call that we have to answer as fathers always. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's something I've been talking about recently is, is that fathering is, is necessary. Um, and it's, it's, there, no matter who you are, no matter how old you are, fathering is necessary. There's there's lessons right now that your dad can teach you because of his experience, because of, yeah. of the things that he's been through that you haven't faced yet um, that are, are probably priceless, right? Like that you couldn't learn yeah. any other way other than or you probably wouldn't hear any other way other than the way that he could say it to you or the way that he could show you. And so it, it's 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 a never ending uh, it, it's uh, what, what do they call it? The infinite game, right? Like there's no halftime, yeah. there's no fourth quarter. It is, it is an infinite yeah. game and you're playing that game your entire life. You're always trying to be the father you want to be or that your kids need, I guess is probably a better way to say it. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the way that I like to put it, that we're, we're aiming to be the dad that our children need us to be. And I like, I like that terminology a lot better than trying to be a good dad. Because mm. you can say, I want to be a good dad, but what does that actually look like? There's not just a universal term and definition to what it is to be a good dad. It, there's not a one size fits all when it comes to that, because your family is a lot different than my family. Some people have children with autism. Some people have children who don't have that. You can't parent a child with autism the same way you parent a child who doesn't have autism. There's just so many different dynamics that go into it. So 
if you think, you know what, you know, I reached the definition of good dad because I make a lot of money. I take my kids on trip. I'm at the dinner table every night. You know, if you miss that conversation that your teenage daughter needs you to have where she just cries and you're just there and you weren't there for that moment, are you a good dad? If your kids don't think you're a good dad, can you still say that you're a good dad? And that's, that's the reason I don't really like the term. It's, it's not something that we get to measure. We don't get to right. determine if we are a good dad. That's not up to us. Our wife can weigh in a little bit on the conversation, but our kids are ultimately the ones who get to determine whether or not we were the dad that they needed us to be. And there's a little bit of a caveat to that too, and can make that you know be a little difficult. One is sometimes being the dad that our kids need us to be, that requires us to be someone that we're not. That requires us to grow. That requires us to develop ourselves so that we can be that person. And then the other side of that coin is sometimes what our kids need us to be is not what they want us to be. If our kids want to do particular things and they have a particular agenda, we need to be the voice that's more than a friend that steps in and says, hey, this is a, it's a bad idea. It's kind of a knucklehead thing you're doing here. You might want to reconsider. And so, yeah, being a dad is fun, but there's also work that goes into it. And there's also some disciplines that have to be applied to it and some intentionality and it's like you, like you, like you talked about, like, yes, there are things that I know my dad could teach me that no one else could teach me. He's just ahead of the curve. He's always ahead of the game. This is why I like to say that part of our mission is to help our kids be a part of God's mission in a greater capacity than ourselves. Like we are aiming to further build that next generation. We're preparing the way as, as leaders and part of leadership is, yeah, you're serving them and you're being with them, but you're also out front. You're also going to the places that you want them to go before they get there. And you're passing on that experience like, hey, when you get to this place, don't do this. Try it this way. I've been there. I've done that. Here's the T-shirt. Now you can navigate it a lot better. And so I, th I think biblically that's even a model for us because, you know, we hear the language of John the Baptist. He was preparing the way for Jesus. But even Jesus when he was talking to his disciples, he tells them, you're going to go and you're going to do greater things than I'm doing. He was trying to equip and to prepare them to do greater things than he did too. And so I think that that's an element of, league, of leaving a legacy as fathers is we want to pour into them, be what they need so that we can truly equip them to be a part of God's mission in a greater way than we've been able to do it. We want them to step into new terrain and new territory that we've not yet explored. And we want to pass all the wisdom that we can onto them by leading the way and kind of, you know, being that front line that takes the majority of the damage, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the infantry or, or the, the you know, we're like the Marines, right? We get out there first and, and yeah. fight those battles for right. them to set the table right. for them to come in and, and, you know, finish things off or, or explore further, right? Like if you want yeah. to see further, you got to you gotta get on the shoulders of giants. And sometimes we're the giant and, uh, yeah. and sometimes that's tough. That's tough for, for a lot of us to, to bear, right? It's like you said, sometimes it's oh, not yeah. who we are and we have to be somebody that we're not in order to be what they need. And that's difficult. Um, you know, yeah. it, it, it definitely takes some, some mindfulness and it takes some courage um and, yeah. and sometimes it, it takes us doing what we don't want to do and i think that right. part is hard because as a as a parent there's like these dynamics that we want to keep where like there's levels of respect and like i'm the dad and you're going to do what i say and i'm going to this is the way i'm going to parent you but sometimes that's not it sometimes you have to be right. kind of like you kind of have to take a back seat to your own wants and needs and desires and be like okay this is what my family needs for me right <sighs> all right i'm gonna go do it yeah. Yeah. I think it requires a good dose of humility too, because our pride as men, we all have, we all have pride. Like we like what we can do. We like what we can accomplish. It makes us, it makes us feel good. Uh, I'm writing a little book right now for men expecting to become fathers. And I have this little portion where I, I talk a little bit about the sense of pride that we have, but anytime we build something great or we do something awesome, we make these unique customizations. If the conversation comes up like, hey, that looks really cool. Like we can't help ourselves except to say, yep, I did it myself. Like we, we like we like to take credit for things exclusively right. like we did it. And so we, we all have this pride and, you know, it's, it's like it's like a two headed dragon. Like part of it's OK and the other part of it's not. But if we don't have the humility to say, you know what, the way that I do things might not be the right way. 
maybe I need to revisit this. Uh, maybe, maybe I need to do, I, I do need to improve in this area. Maybe I don't know as much as I think I know. Um, it's, it reminds me. So we had this feud, I'll call it with, with my, my, my mom and dad with car seats, with the kids, because technology has changed. The advancements have changed. So how long they kept me in a car seat is shorter than how long we'll keep our kids in the car seats. And the type of car seats that I was in was totally different than the car seats that we have today. And my dad's like, well, you know, you didn't die. You're still here. Like we can still do it the way that we did it and everything will be okay. I was like, I understand that, but this is the way that it has to be. Like, this is the way that we're going to do it. Now, fortunately and thankfully, my father was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to respect that. I'm going to respect the boundary. I'm going to swallow my pride on, you know, I know this way works, but I'm going to, I'm going to choose to do it this way because it better serves you. And I think, I think that's something that we have to be able to do as dads, like you were mentioning, we've got to swallow our pride. We've got to make those changes because it's, it's not always about us. And we don't always have, we don't always have the best way forward. There's that old, old expression that you often hear parents use. It's my way or the highway. Well, sometimes the highway might actually be a better option. We're just not, we're, we're not, you know, mindful of that. Because I right. think about what the Bible says. It says it's not in man to direct his own path. So if we don't even have it within us to direct our own path, why do we think we have it within us to direct our kids' path? Like, we don't know everything that they go through. We don't see everything that they see. We don't think everything that they think. But we think we can step into their life when ours is in shambles, and we can just say, yeah, you're going to do it this way. Right. I, I think that's one of those things where we've got to recognize, okay, my responsibility is to lead them, is to serve them, to get them in a good direction. And then I'm going to allow God to work with him to define that path and take them the rest of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that that's like, uh, like just alignment in general, like as, as the father, as a leader that we need to get in alignment with, with our leader, with, with God in order to be able to lead them down the right way. Cause if we, if we don't know ourselves, how we're supposed to be going, um, then how do we lead them? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. Uh, absolutely. I, I think I think that has to be the case. You know, I think what the Bible says, it says that, you know, there's none good but God. So any of the goodness that we think that we have is in comparison to what God views goodness as. It's it's not even considered good. It's like Isaiah talks about all of our righteousness. It's like filthy rags. Now, what we often don't catch is that the reference to filthy rags is talking about the rags that the women would use when they were on their cycle. And so yeah, so basically yeah. our goodness is basically equated to a used tampon. Like that that's that's what God thinks about our goodness. So I think outside of God, when we try to do things good, from time to time I think occasionally people will do good things, but overall I think we're going to miss the mark. And I think the neat thing about having that alignment with God is you know, when we pray and when we worship, we'll say things about God like, you know, he's worthy or he is holy or he is good. And what we often don't realize is that God is so gracious to us that he makes those same declarations back to us. Even though we're not qualified for those things, he makes them back to us. We're worthy because he says that Mm -hmm. we're worthy. So we get to participate in this great inheritance. We're holy because he says, be holy. It's it's not just a command to be holy for I am holy. It's also a, a declaration that because you're in a relationship with me, I say that you're holy. And so God says these wonderful things back to us. So when we're in that relationship with God, then we can actually go out and do things that are good and noble in the eyes of God. And I think about the two greatest commandments that when Jesus was asked, you know, what, what's the greatest commandment? He gives two. He says, you have to love God and then you have to love your neighbor. I don't think we're truly capable of loving our neighbor the right way if we don't first love God. Because what happens when we love God is we get this increased value of who we are as individuals. You know, Mm -hmm. I can look at my life and just think of me and of myself and I can see the mistakes and I can see all the scars and I can see all the dumb things that I have done. But within my relationship with God, God says, you know what? I, I forgive that. I give you grace that's sufficient for all of those things. And so now I have a greater value of myself because I see myself the way that God sees me. So when I have to love my neighbor as myself, now I love them on a totally different level than I would if I didn't have God in my life to see. I mean, some people think that they're meaningless. So how do you think they're going to love other people? Probably not very good. But when you have that relationship with God, 
and you start there and you realize, you know what? God gives me this great sense of worth and this great sense of value. I, I love myself more now than I would have without God. So now I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to love my kids in a greater capacity than I would have before. So yeah, I think without that, without that, without that relationship with God, without that knowledge of the Bible too, I don't, I don't think we're going to do right in those relationships as a husband and as a father. I mean, we get direction. We get instruction on how to do that. There's biblical wisdom that guides us with that. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5 tells us that we have to love our wives like Christ loved the church and mm -hmm. gave himself for it. I know as husbands, we always like to go to the next verse where it talks about wives, submit yourself to your husband. Like mm -hmm. we, we love to say that. We love to throw that in their face. And people will probably gripe and complain like, you know, my wife doesn't submit to me. And I always want to throw that conversation back to them. Like, are you loving them the way that Christ loved the church and gave him, gave his whole self, like didn't mm -hmm. hold anything back. Are you doing that? Well, no. Well then don't, don't skip ahead and complain because she's not submitting the way that you think she should. You're not doing what you, what you're supposed to be doing first. And even as fathers, going back to kind of what we talked about a little bit earlier, you know, we're not instructed to raise them in our image. We're instructed right. to bring them up in the ways and admonition of the Lord. And that's a big that's a big thing that I think is a hurdle for fathers is, you know, we look at our children and in a way we we do see ourselves because they come from us, mm -hmm. but we're not supposed to raise them to be like us, to be in our image. We're disciples and we're we're raising other disciples to be followers of Christ, to bear his image and not our own. And that can be especially difficult, I think, with sons in general, because, you know, my son is my pride and joy. I love my girls, but there's just something different as a father having a boy because you mm -hmm. see like where you were and what you've gone through and what maybe could have been. And there's always that sense of, man, I could live vicariously through my kid. I can make them what I never was. And that's not what we're supposed to do. What right. we're supposed to do is raise them in his image and pray and seek God and say, you know, how should I raise my son? How can I best serve him? How can I perceive his talents and his abilities and help him go down a path where he's going to be able to serve other people and be a part of God's mission with his skill set that he has? Because as much as I love to play basketball, everyone on my wife's side of the family, all the men are 6'4 and up. Like I know that my son is going to be a giant one day. I know he's going to have the stature to play ball on a high level. And as much as I would love to pour into him everything that I know and teach him and get him involved in basketball. He loves soccer, but what he loves more than anything else is science, like geology and geography and oceanography and entomology. It's just like bugs and lizards and sea creatures and rocks. That boy loves that stuff more than anything else. And as much as I don't have an interest in that, because he does, I have to, as his dad, figure out how can I raise him in the image of God and build on his interests and build on his passions as his father. That's what we have to do. And that's not always easy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting when you're, when you're leading and fathering through faith that you are raising your son or daughter, but you're also raising your brother or sister in Christ. Like it's, it, it's an interesting yeah. dynamic, right? Is because you want them right. Just, just naturally, right? Because they look like you, and like you say, you see the similarities, and they grow up in your household, and you have this this really close touch point to them, and you want for them, like you said, all the things that you know maybe you wish you had, or like you know, I, I got all this knowledge about hoop, man, I could really teach you the game, but but they, 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 you have to kind of like pull yourself back, and then just really just like you said, be interested in the things that they're interested in, because you're growing you're not growing a mini me right you're you're building yeah. up a brother or sister in in <clears throat> the same mission of, of glorifying god and 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 spreading the word and, and doing all those things and so it, that part is tough man i'll be completely honest is this is it's one of those things where you you have to again you have to put yourself aside and and really you know really focus in on what the, what the actual purpose is and not what yeah. you want to do you know Right. It's tough, but I think you share something that's really, really good for us to keep in mind. And that is, yeah, we're raising our kids and we're raising these disciples, but in doing that, we're also raising brothers and sisters in the faith. And I think that's really good for us to keep in mind because 
if you actually think about how you relate to and function with other people, you were probably a lot more intentional on making sure that you were kind and good to other people. Like mm -hmm. we care about impressions. We care about relationships. We care about rapport and reputation. And all those things are built and established on having good, kind, consistent and faithful relationships with our brothers and sisters in the faith. I mean, you don't want to go to church where everyone hates you because you tell them to sit down and shut up because they're bothering you. So you treat them differently. And when you have that perspective of, hold on a second, I'm not just raising my son or daughter. I'm actually raising someone who's, uh, you know, they're, they're with me on this faith walk and they're with me in this faith journey. I should treat them a little bit different. And that, that plays into so many other things, even, even with respect. I, I think this is a, good thing that is really good for us to learn with respect is oftentimes as dads, we think that because we're the dad that we just deserve respect. And while there is some that is due because of our position, what's the best way to get respect from people? It's to earn it. It's always to do things that are respectable and just organically earn that respect. We should do that with our kids too. We should live respectably and we should earn their respect with the way that we conduct ourselves. We shouldn't just demand it because if we demand it, it's going to be short term. It's going to be short lived when they're out of the house, they're going to drop the respect because they don't need to have it anymore because they're not under our rule and under our reign. But if we earn it and we establish it the right way, it will last forever. And so I think it's really important to have that perspective of my kids are also people. How would I treat people? How would I talk to people? What would would I do this if I was talking to someone else? When I when I say this the same way, I think I think it's really important to have that perspective that you mentioned. Uh, these are also brothers and sisters in Christ. These are also other people. Like, how do I conduct myself with people? How to conduct myself that much more with my kids, not the other way around? Yeah, because this is one of the things that I, I really like about doing podcast and, and like trying to build up my myself as a father and as a man and me and my wife were, were literally just talking about this uh maybe a week ago um she's like you know you go out of the house and you're so nice and you're so kind and everybody like loves you and, and you know you're, you're all nice to everybody and you're shaking hands and kissing babies like you're on a, on a campaign trail and then you come home and sometimes yeah. you're just like you're mean and you're you're angry and you're frustrated and i'm like I don't feel like that, but I know that it's possible. I know that I know it happens sometimes. Right. And so like yeah. you said earlier, just because I have a fatherhood podcast doesn't mean I'm perfect by any means in fatherhood. I'm working on things. And this is one of the things I'm working on when I'm outside of the house. Yeah. I definitely do go a little bit above and beyond to make sure that I'm presenting myself as as the man that I say that I am. Right. And so I'm, I'm doing all these things to make sure that that image is upheld. And when I come home, I'm like, I'm still that, but then also I have to be like, I have to sometimes do, be the disciplinarian. So that requires me to be a little, I can't be the nice, it's harder to be the nice disciplinarian, you know, or, or sure. if something happens, yeah. uh, you know, just from being out in the world, the day was, was a frustrating day. And so I come home and I'm not in my, I'm not my best self. And, and so that comes yeah. off as like, you're, you're mean in the house. I'm like, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I just, I'm tired. Like I'd rather just. I, I want to spend time with everybody. And so I'm forcing myself to do this. But then I'm also in the same time, like struggling with, I need to go sit down somewhere. Um, and so it is, it is, it is definitely uh, work. As you mentioned, there are things that we have to do yeah. and not negative. Like when we say work, it's not like, it, it's not something that I don't want to do. Um, I definitely want to be better in that way. And, and that's what I said. Like, I love, having these conversations because it was just me sitting with it right and trying to figure out how i'm going to yeah. fix it now I'm, I'm talking to you and i'm hearing some different things and i'm like oh, i'm thinking about oh man there's some different ways i can handle it all right i can do this right because it's yeah. not just it's not yeah. just me sitting with myself in it it's it's you know okay maybe i maybe i can i can lean a little bit more into my faith and helping me with, with fixing this thing instead of trying to do it right? i'm leaning into my own understanding right um, yeah, and yeah. it's always going to be an issue. Um, and so, I, again, I appreciate I appreciate all this commentary, but that that specific part right there is is something that I know I'm yeah. going to take away from this and, and and work on to be better. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, and I think you know, leaning into your faith, but also 
leaning into community, there's a couple of things that I'd like to say. Um, one, I think it's great that you actually had the conversation with your wife. I think I'm the same as every other husband. You know, when our wives talk to us and they give us their input and their and their advice, we often just kind of want to say, like, "No, it's, that's not true." Like, you don't you don't know me. Like, I know we share a bed, but you don't know me. Like, you you don't see the inner workings. It's, I think it's that 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 pride kind of rises up. We're like, "No," but I got to the place where I realized, you know what? My wife's not wrong. Like, she sees things from a different perspective, and that is that's the perspective that we really need to see and open up to if we are going to grow. Uh, my pastor is the one that I heard this from, and I think it's great information, but he talks about there's three types of information that we can use um, for ourselves. He's like, you know, there's the stuff that we know about ourselves that everybody else knows. So, you know, for example, uh, I play I play the keyboard, and I would say I'm mediocre at best, but people will come up and be like, oh, you did such a good job on that song or whatever like that. So it's like, yeah, I know I'm all right at the keyboard and other people can see that too. So that's that's piece number one. And the second piece is the things that I know about myself that other, people's, that other people might not know about me. So like, I know how much work I put into the podcast. I know how much work I, I do on the back end of things. Other people don't see that and they don't know it and they might not appreciate it, but I know that. And then the third piece of information is flipped. It's what everyone else knows about me that I don't recognize about myself. And so, you know, in the sense of, you know, you know, I, I do go out and I do try to hold up this, this persona and I do try to be the person that I say that I am. And then I get home and, you know, maybe, maybe I'm not quite the same. Like maybe I don't have the same passion with my kids and my wife as I do out and about. And my wife told me that, okay, maybe that's a perspective that I really need to take to heart. And so I think it's good for all of us as men in any capacity, as a husband, as a father, professional, whatever it is being open to receiving that third piece of information, the stuff that people perceive and know about us that maybe we don't recognize about ourselves. Maybe I'm a jerk when I talk to people. Like maybe my sarcasm is is more of a jerk than it is sarcasm because I have a dry sense of humor sometimes. If my wife's like, hey, you're kind of a jerk. Like, you know, you, you might want to pull it in a little bit. Okay. M maybe, maybe it does come off the wrong way. Maybe I do need to reform my humor a little bit. Like take that to heart. But the second thing that I think is good is community. So often I think as men, going back to that sense of pride that we have, too often we think I just need to get alone and I just need to pull my senses together. I need to get everything. I, I need to just have some me time to take care of me and my things. I don't think that that's wrong, but I think that that is rarely the answer. I think that is... And, and if and if it is needed, it's needed in a in a small dose. It's not needed as in like, hey, I need a whole weekend away, or hey, I need you to take the kids to your mom's house. Give me a week at the house. Just just let me be alone, because when we're alone and when we're isolated, this is probably when we do some of our worst thinking. Um, I think it was in 2019, the University of Chicago put out some research that the effects of loneliness and isolation were germane to those of smoking and hypertension. So being alone, being isolated doesn't do good for us. And the other thing is mentally what it does to us. So I think about the story of Elijah. If you've ever gone to church, Sunday school, like you've heard about Elijah, like he's a big deal, right? He's like the biggest, baddest prophet that, that we, we read about in the Bible. But his story starts in 1 Kings 17. And, you know, when we first hear his story, it's important to note that he always has a servant with him. Like he's never alone. He always has a servant with him. But he says it's not going to rain. And then he and a servant spend that span of time with a widow and her son. So he's not alone. After that, he's like, okay, it's time to go talk to King Ahab. On the way there, he runs into Obadiah, basically a brother in the faith. So he's got support. He's got community. He goes to Ahab. And then this is when we see the story that we all know about. This is when they go to Mount Carmel. The 450 prophets of Baal do their best to rain fire down from heaven to consume the sacrifice. No luck. Elijah gets up there and he stacks all the odds against him. He just like douses everything in water. And then first try, boom, fire falls from heaven. He kills all 450 prophets of Baal and he just makes a spectacle of them. After this, he gets word that Jezebel wants to kill him. So now that he's got some bad news coming, he views this as this is my problem that I have to deal with. And here's where he makes his mistake. He travels to a place called Beersheba in Judah. He leaves his servant there. 
and he goes a whole day into the wilderness. He's alone. He's isolated. He's got this problem that he thinks he needs to fix. And it's in this place of isolation that he prays to God and he says, God, just go ahead and take my life. It's in that place of isolation where he doesn't see value in himself, value in the things that he's done, meaning in who he is or purpose in what he can do. He's just like, God, just go ahead and end it. Like, I'm here, I'm alone. And what happens is when we isolate ourselves too much, we let our thoughts run rampant and we start to think negative. We start to think dark things. We start to get stressed even more, depressed even more because we think this is my burden to bear. And that's not always the case. And I think it's really important when we know that, that we finish the story and we realize how we need to be with our other brothers and our other friends that we have in our community. So God tells Elijah, I want you to go and I want you to find this man named Elisha and I want him to be your servant. Mm -hmm. So that happens and Elisha follows Elijah. And when it's Elijah's last day, he knows that this is it. Like, this is my last day on earth. It all comes to an end right here. He tries to do the same thing with Elijah that he did with the first servant. Three times he tries to leave him behind. Just let me go and do this alone. All three times Elijah says, I will not leave you. He sticks with him all throughout it. Now, I think it's really important to note that Elijah, even though Elijah gets a double portion and does all these great things, Elijah is the one that we all talk about. He's the one that we still remember. He's the one who's viewed as the greatest and the strongest. But I think it's really important for us to know as men in our friendships and within our communities that the ones who are the strongest can often be the ones who are the weakest when no one sees them, when they are alone, when they are just by themselves with themselves. And I think it's really important for us to have that mentality as a friend and as a brother to say, you know what, I'm here for you. I know you're further along than I am, but however I can help, just know that I support you and know that I'm with you. Um, we do a lot more in community than we do by ourselves. And that's a really, it's a hard thing, I think, for men, because again, we take pride in being able to do it by ourselves. But there really is strength in, number, in, in numbers. Community, it is the way to go. And it's, it's the way that we have to proceed if we're going to grow and if we're ultimately going to be the dads that our kids need us to be. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I saw somewhere um, where I don't know the percentages. I don't remember the percentages, but they were talking about just men and, and the number of friends that they have. And I think on average, the average man has like one friend or none. Like it was just, sad. It was like a. It wasn't even a full friend. It was like a point point seven friends. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was like I was like, yeah. and and then I start to think like I have I have multiple friends. I have a group of friends, but it's all intentional. You know, it's not like yeah, like these guys are my friends because I'm actively like pursuing these relationships, and we all are kind of you know depending on each other and working on each other and encouraging each other, and, and then like right. I, like you mentioned community, like trying to build a community for fathers and trying to have these interactions and, and this accountability and this encouragement and all these things. But I think a lot of guys, like you said, it's just, you know, the lone wolf mentality. I can figure it out. I can get it done. These are my problems. Uh, let me, let me give me some time to think about it. I'm going to figure it out. And, and that's where a lot of us struggle is we've been conditioned to do it on our own. We've been conditioned yeah. not to ask for help. We've been conditioned to uh, to man up or to be tough or to whatever. Um, when the reality is, is, is in most cases, in almost every case, like there's not really any situation where anybody has done it on their own, right? Where somebody's right. self-made or whatever you want to call it, like that, that isn't really a thing. You know, you may be the yeah. one that gets the praise for it, or you may be the one that's at the, the top of it. Um, but even even the the MVP had you know he's the most valuable player, but he had support and supporting cast. Right. He had other people there that helped him along the way. And I think that's important for us to realize is that we right. do need that support. We do need the accountability. We do need the encouragement, and we do need sometimes just somebody to be like, yeah, you, this this is what it is. Like you are gonna have to go through right. that, and let's go through it though. I've been through it. He's been through it. Like it, it's it's possible. It's tough right now, but you can make it to the other side. Right. I th yeah, I think that's great advice. Um, if anyone was going to do it by themselves, it would have been Jesus, and even mm -hmm. He chose to surround Himself. You know, He had multitudes who followed Him. He had a group of 120, a group of 70, a group of 12. He had 
three that were really close to him. And then he had John who he loved. It's just like mm-hmm. he had a tight knit circle of friends and he surrounded himself with other people. He didn't need to. He was God in the flesh. I mean, he, he didn't need other people. Right. But he right. still chose to have people, I think, because he's modeling to us like this is the way that it's supposed to be. Loneliness is never a good thing. It's like even in the beginning, you know, God looks at Adam and he's like, it's not good that man should be alone. God. God knew that, you know, Adam didn't just have the animals. He had God like Adam walked with God and had this relationship with God. And God still said he's alone because he doesn't have someone like him living this life with him. And so like we've got to have people trying to do it the Lone Ranger style. It's never going to work and it's going to lead to a lot of frustration. Yeah. Yeah. There's a power in shared experiences. Um, yeah. Know, either either preventing you from making the same mistake, like you don't have to make that mistake because I already made it. Like this is what yeah. happened. This is how I overcame. This is what I did. Um, or you know, I, I used to feel the same way you felt. You know, but what I yeah. realized was, and just the power of that conversation, um, or just seeing it, right? Like it may not even be the in conversation. It may just me me. We're in we're in proximity, and I see you. Uh, right. we just, we just said we we're talking about fatherhood. I just see you being present in your in your children's lives. I just see the way you love on your wife. Or I see or I hear the way you talk about your family, and I'm like, that sounds really good. Like I I really would like to have that for myself, and yeah. now I can start working towards being that and, and pursuing that. Or maybe I just tap you on the shoulder. Hey, man, look, I I don't know you. You don't know me, but I just love the way that you're loving on your wife, man. What is it? Like, how, how are yeah. you doing that? Like, what is, what is it that 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 you're thinking, that you're doing, that you're saying, that's reinforcing that that thing, um, and that's awkward. But I've done that before, you know. <laughs> More power to you, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a that's a weird conversation. It, it starts off really weird. Don't get me wrong. It, it started yeah. off like that, but it's really weird at first because it it's obviously takes you aback if you hear that from somebody. But it right. turned into like a just a you know, regular conversation after that, you know. And it was almost that's like cool. this: we we're just talking about how to how you love somebody regardless you know and just kind of being being present and being available and being in those moments um and i think that's important and it's something that we have to do a better job of as as fathers and as leaders because our children are also seeing when we feel like we have to be alone they see the way dad handles things is alone so then they want to be alone so when you ask them hey what's going on they say nothing because they're trying to figure it out on their own because they see you figuring out on your own yeah and they're not equipped with the tools or the experience that you have to try to deal with some of these things. And so you're putting them at a disadvantage by not showing them that, you know, there's ways to find solutions through other people and with other people. Yeah, I think that's really good. And and that's one of the things that we got to be super mindful of is the things that we do, our habits, what we model to our kids, because they will extract a lot more out of what we do then we sometimes intend for them to extract. They'll see things in a different way. I was thinking the other day just, you know, about with kids and their finances. You know, there's so many people who struggle financially and they wonder why. And I I was I was talking to my wife about this. I think, you know, if all we do is spend money out to eat and spend money constantly buying stuff, like what do you think our kids are going to do? Do you think that they're going to be like, no, I'm just going to save all my money or they're going to think, no, what we don't, we didn't cook growing up. So let's just go out to eat. So this is just what we're going to do. Or, you know, my, my mom always had to buy a new dress or my dad always had to get a new pair of shoes or whatever it is that he liked. Like maybe I'm just supposed to buy stuff. Maybe, maybe that's, that's how I'm supposed to live. And if I can't live to that standard then I'm not living. And so, you know, I am somewhat minimalistic. I'm not like extreme by any stretch of the imagination. But I just think it's one of those things, even in that regard, to be mindful of. Like, well, how often do we go out to eat? Do we go out to eat so much that our kids are going to think that this is what they're supposed to do? Or how much do we actually buy? Like, how often are we bringing new things into the house? Are our kids going to look at all the stuff that we're buying and think, man, like, if you're not getting new stuff all the time, you're not doing it right. Like, how are we going to set them up financially just with their habits by the things that we do? So the things, the things that we do, We have to do the hard work. And this is why I don't like, I don't like, you know, do these three steps and you'll be the perfect dad and have the perfect family. That doesn't work. We have to do the homework and we actually have to analyze ourselves and say, you know, what are my habits? How do I spend my money? What do I buy all the time? Like, 
what is it that I'm actually doing? Like actually break down your day and figure it out and think, how will a kid perceive this? Like, what will they think that they need to do based off what they're seeing dad do? That's, that's the hard work that we have to do. And if we're not willing to do it, then we can't expect the change to actually manifest itself in our kids. Like we, again, we're leaders. We got to lead the way we got to show them that it was wrong. This is the right way to go about things. Like I'm going to, I'm going to set you up to do better by showing you what's right. Even though I didn't do it until I was, you know, 25, 35, 45, I'm showing you now. So right. see what I do. And they will, they'll, they'll watch us because they love us. <laughs> Even though it doesn't make sense for them to love us, they do. And that's a, that's a remarkable thing. Uh, but we've got to be mindful of our, our habits and what we're modeling to them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and, and uh, they look up to us, right? Like they, they are trying, I'm my kid's hero, right? Like, yeah. We're, and I didn't do anything to deserve it, right? Like I didn't, I just, I'm just dad, right? I didn't, I didn't right. save the city from, <laughs> from a villain. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't do any of that stuff, right? Um, I didn't, I can't jump over buildings. I can't fly. I can't do any of the superhero stuff, but to them, you know, I am, I am the hero, right? And they are, yeah. they are so dependent on me being their hero um and being the role model and being the, the the figure that they look for in men or that they expect out of a man and so sometimes that's a that's a heavy a heavy uh burden not burden it's not a burden at all but sometimes that's heavy it weighs heavy on us because we have a standard that we've created for ourselves and that we want to continue to uphold but the reality is is that it's worth it right it's definitely yeah. worth it's worth living up to that standard. It's worth trying to be a hero, but also being humble and also having humility and also being honest about the fact that yeah. I'm not, I am not a hero. Like I'm not Superman. Maybe I'm one of the other heroes, one of the other ones that has flaws. Like it's, maybe I'm like that, you know, I'm like Batman, you know, yeah. I, like I don't really have any superpowers, but I can make some stuff happen right. if I need to. Uh, like yeah. I, maybe I'm one of those kind of heroes, but um that part of it is is real, right? Because sometimes when yeah. we think of ourselves as the hero of our of our child's lives, we don't allow them to see us struggle. We don't allow them to see us as anything other than a hero. But the reality is they need to see that part too. Because that's yes, really they do. that's really who we are. And that teaches them how to handle not being perfect, not being right um not living up to the necessary expectations that people may have for them. But how do we overcome that? How do we deal with that? And how do we move forward? Right. Right. And if they never see you deal with it, then they're not going to have a clue on how to deal with it when it comes their way. Cause that's the thing. It's like, we're all imperfect. We're all flawed and broken. We all have these trials that we have to face and all sorts of obstacles that we have to overcome. Like no person is excused from those things. And our kids will go down similar paths and they will have those same hardships. And if they never saw you know, dad deal with getting laid off. What happens mm -hmm. to them? Well, how are they going to do it? If if they never have to, you know, name it, whatever it is, whatever it is that you've gone through that you've just tried to keep a secret and hide from your kids. Like if they follow in your steps and they do the same thing, they're not going to have an example to follow. And I, I think, I think it's really important for us to want our kids to come and seek our sage counsel and our wisdom when they go through things. I think yeah. like that's huge for me. Like I make sure that when when my kids do particular things, okay, here's an example. So yesterday, my son who was in first grade came home. This is like the second week of first grade for him. He said, Hey dad, he's like, some kids were talking about the F word today. And I was like, hold the phones, buddy. I was like, come to my room, let's have a conversation. It was like, you know, and so I had to have this talk with him. Like I wasn't, I didn't go in there and be like, we don't say this and you're not going to do this. And you know, run. I, I had a conversation with him. Like he was a person. I was like, there are particular words that people use. We choose not use those words. Like he, what he said specifically is that his, his friends told him that when you, when you raise your middle finger at someone, it means the F word. And he was like, I don't even know what the F word is. I was like, buddy, you don't need to know what it is. It's like, you'll figure it out soon enough. Like, like it'll happen. Like people will actually start to say it. I said, but we choose not to say it. I said, we choose to do things that are good. And if it's a bad word, it's not going to do any good. So I had a conversation with him like he was an adult, like he was a person. And I obviously did my best to explain it in the terms that a six, almost seven-year-old would understand. But like, we have to have that open communication with our kids because when he comes home 
in 10 years and something really bad has happened. I don't want him to hide it from me. I want him to come to me so that I can help him. And I think, I think that's really important when we're vulnerable and we're transparent, we're open with our kids, they reciprocate that back to us. And I think that's what we want as dads. Yeah, 100%. I 100% agree. And I think if you would have handled it uh, and kind of like you said a segment ago, you would have been like, no, we don't say that. We don't do that. Then the next time something like that comes up, he's like, oh, I don't really like how dad reacted. So I'm just going yeah. to handle it exactly. on my own. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I also, like, I mean, I even told him, I said, his name's Frankie. I said, Frankie, I know that as a kid, it's fun to do the things you're not supposed to do. Like when mommy and daddy say, don't do this. Like there's just something that tempts you to just go and do it. Like, I know that you feel that way. And so like I prefaced the conversation with that, you know, and I, I think we just have to be smart. We have to use some wisdom and we have to be in control of ourselves. If we're not in control of ourselves when we're trying to discipline our kids, which I would view that as discipline. I don't view discipline as do I spank your kids or do you not spank your kids? Discipline is discipling. So we're disciplining, we're disciplining the good and the bad. So like him coming to me is a good thing. So I made sure he know that he knew you, you've done a good thing in, in sharing this with dad. Like, thank you for doing this. It's really important that we just choose our words wisely. Now, I wasn't perfect at this every time. One of the things that I know I fell into was forecasting, which is a, which is a bad thing to do with your kids. And what I mean by forecasting is when my five-year-old would come home and say something, I would tell him, like, if you do this now when you're 15, you'll look at the little look like this. And you're 25, you'll be doing these things. And when you're an old man, you'll be looking back in your life thinking, why did I make these mistakes? Like, he doesn't need to know what the next 85 years of his life is going to look like. Like, that doesn't help him. Like, I have to address it in a much smaller, direct way. And so like, I, I, I've caught on to these things. I'm getting better. Like, I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to be a better dad every day, as I like to say in the podcast. Uh, but again, if if we can be intentional about opening up, modeling things to our kids, like you talked about, when we go through our hardships and our trials, that's one of the best things that we can do because they'll see it and they'll know, hey, dad went through that. Maybe dad can help me, especially if we're intentional about communication with them and we're open. We're like, hey, you talk to us about anything and we don't react like we're a lunatic when they do. Like, like that, that's that's the key too. like we got to we got to suppress that that reaction and we need to use wisdom and actually respond. So that, I think that's the way forward with communication. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I, I like, I like where we're at right now. We're kind of, kind of passing on some, some advice for, for fathers just in, 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 in conversation. Right. And yeah. so you mentioned, you mentioned your podcast and, and some of the things you say in your podcast, if, if you were to, and this is where we kind of start to wrap up, but I'm, I'm, I can go and we can do this forever. Um, if you were to final episode, final episode of the podcast, uh, you obviously already have a message that you're you're putting out there for fathers. But this is the the final episode, and you're going to sign off. This is your mic drop moment. Um, what do you want that that episode to be about? What do you want fathers to hear from you? Mm. Yeah, that's a that's a it's a it's a tall order to respond to. Um, honestly, when I think about myself, I think about, while yes, I am imperfect and yes, I have a lot of growing to do and I have a lot of learning to do. I don't think I could do it without God and I couldn't do it without the Bible. And I think most of the stuff that I have extracted and used for fatherhood comes from the Bible. I mean, this, this, this is a guide for us and it helps us. It's, literally the word of God speaking to us. So if I was going to give dads any advice, any final message, like I'm out of the picture, this podcast is done. Here's where you go from here. I'm, I'm going to direct them to the source of everything. I'm going to, I'm going to point them back to God and I'm going to point them back to the Bible. And I'm going to say, if you don't have a relationship and you're not reading the Bible every day, like you're, you're not, you're not setting yourself up to learn how to live. I mean, I think we've got to have prayer. We've got to have that communication with God. And I, th I think it's really important to to note that prayer is not always going to God in the right place, at the right time, with the right attitude, and saying the right things. Sometimes prayer is, God, I'm going through this, and I don't even see where you're at. I don't understand what you're doing. 
Sometimes it, it can be a little accusatory. Sometimes it can be uh, laced with some anger. That's okay. I mean, if you ever read the book of Psalms, like you'll see the man after God's own heart had some pretty tough moments when he was praying that, hey, God, you're not even here. Like, you know, you're not supposed to ever forsake us, but I feel pretty forsaken. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes we have to have those conversations with God. That's okay. God welcomes that. And so that last piece of advice that, that I would give, that if you're going to do anything to be the dad your kids need you to be, you're not going to figure that out outside of a relationship with God and His Word, because our relationship with God is the source for how all of our other relationships will look like. Again, going back to what we talked about at the very beginning, like if I'm going to love my neighbor as myself, well, I don't love myself without God showing me how I ought to love me. And so that's where I would point people. I'd point them back to the good book because anything anything that that I've extracted that I use for fatherhood to talk about fatherhood, it comes from God. It comes from the Bible. So yeah. I know no I know no better place to go. Yeah. It is it is the it is in fact the, the perfect example of of fatherhood, which is why we you know call God the Father. It's 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 just really uh, comprehensive uh, detailed example of what fathering is, um, what being a son or a daughter is. Like it, it, it's so full and rich of all these these different stories and things that we could draw from. Um, so that's great, man. That was a great, great yeah. last episode. But you know what? That one was too good. We got to bring you back for <laughs> for one more. Look, hey, look, you can't. You you dropped the mic. We picked it back up. Look, we need one more episode for you from you, but. But this one's a private episode. Like, not everybody's going to get to hear it. I think only three people are going to get to hear it. Um, yep. And those are your children. Uh, what do you want them to hear? I think I'd tell them the same thing, to be honest with you. I think as dads, one of the best things that we can do, and this is one of the things that I try so hard to do, because I realize that I am not going to be around forever. I know that someday I'll kick the bucket. And my kids will live on and they won't have daddy to go to. They won't have me to consult with, but they will always have God. And that's one of the things that my wife and I have tried so hard to drill into our kids is how to pray. Like some, we've written down so many different prayers that my son specifically has prayed just because he's the oldest and he gets a little bit more. But I mean, his sincerity when he prays, I mean, he'll he'll pray about things that I would never pray about, like bugs not getting crushed and stuff like that. Like he cares about those little things, but the fact that he'll say those things, that he's comfortable saying like what he feels and what he thinks and what actually matters to him. When he's 16, the things that will matter to him won't be bugs getting crushed, but he'll still have the confidence in bringing the things that matter to him to God. and so. I would want them to have something that's going to last. And and that's that's their relationship with God. He'll be with them every step of the way. I'll be with them. I'll be with them for a good majority of the journey. But again, I don't I don't define the path. I don't direct it. I take them to a certain point and they kind of let go of my hand a little bit more and they hold on to God's. So if they don't if they don't know that, they're going to get stuck wherever I leave them and that's not what I would want for them. I'd want my kids to know, you know, God's there for you to talk to every day. And the beautiful thing about that is God comes to us. Like we don't have to, everyone talks about, there's a, there's a saying in church that goes around. It was, you don't have to get, you don't have to get good to get God. And they would say, you have to get God to get good. And I still never liked it because it still puts the burden on us to try and find God, try and get to God. And that's not what the Bible talks about. The Bible says that God seeks us. Like he comes to the door and he knocks. So if you want to get good, you just have to let God get you. And I think that's that's what I would want them to take home. Like, you know, God's pursuing you every day. Open up to him. That's that's what I'd leave them with. I love that. I love that, man. The child isn't pursuing the father, the father pursuing the child. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, man. Oh, uh, well, look, I, I, like I said, I, I, I could probably do this 
forever, right? We can probably keep going, but I know that the guys that are listening are probably either finishing up their, their commute uh, or, or finishing up their workout or, or are uh, probably being called to do something around the house. <laughs> so <laughs> we should, we should probably wrap it up and, uh, and, and get them on to, to what they need to do and being present and being available in their, in their houses, uh, being the leaders that they want to be. Um, if guys are wanting to reach out to you, if they're wanting to connect with you and, and you know, get, get a little bit of, uh, a little bit more of this, uh, how would they go about doing that? They can go to fatherinourfuture.com. Uh, the podcast is available anywhere and everywhere. I also put it locally on the website as well. So you can listen to it. You can watch it. Uh, I also put some written blogs up there as well, just to give you additional content. And you can follow Father in Our Future on social media. Uh, I've got YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram right now. So sometimes I, you know, I'll throw up some different reels or just little quotes, things like that to just kind of motivate and inspire dads throughout the day. Sometimes I'm an idiot and I let you see that as well. So uh, yeah, that's how you do it. Fatherinourfuture.com. And you can just search for Father in Our Future on social platforms and you'll find it there. Awesome. Awesome. I'll make sure I send the show notes and all that stuff as well uh, for you guys that are that are able to look at show notes. But uh, but thank you, man. I really appreciate you taking the time and, and sharing. I think this was this was definitely eye opening. Like I said, there were things in there that I'm for sure going to take away um, and, and use immediately. Um, and I know that there's some things for, for guys that are listening as well to, to strengthen, to encourage and to to kind of put their feet to the fire a little bit about how they're showing up as fathers. And uh, I appreciate it, bro. I, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to, to do that. Yeah, man, it's my privilege. <laughs> All right, man, I, I'm going to let you go. And uh, I appreciate you spending the time and we, we look forward to talking to you soon. Yes, sir. All right. You just tuned into another episode of the Forfeit Fatherhood podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you once again for listening. If you haven't already, go ahead and follow me at You Can Call Me Coach on Instagram. Also follow the podcast at Forfeit Fatherhood, the number four and the letter U on You Can Call Me Coach. Uh, go ahead and flip over to the next episode, man. I know you love this one, so you'll probably love the next one. Excited for you guys to hear it. <laughs>